Hi, and welcome to the second episode of the Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. Alongside me is my co-host and good friend, Nicholas Bear. Nick, how's it going? I'm doing well today, Micah. How are you? I'm doing well. Lance Lynn is going to the White Sox. James McCann is finally going to sign a contract. The Royals are making moves. Let's dive in. So, Nick, um, when we were filming, right after we were filming, actually, once we finished recording, Twitter was going off. Lance Lynn is going to Chicago. In return, the Rangers will get Dane Dunning and Avery Weems. So that's a righty and a lefty. Lynn is going to be a free agent after the 2022 season. So what does this mean for Chicago? Are they the queer favorite? This means that the Chicago White Sox are the clear favorites in the AL Central. I believe the Chicago White Sox going into this year were already the best team in that division. But now this only helps them. They got arguably the best pitcher from the first half of last season. He regressed a little bit in the second half. But Lance Lynn, he's been one of the most solid pitchers in all of baseball since he's been in the league. And this only helps the White Sox get closer to hopefully even reaching the ALCS, if not the World Series. Yeah, I mean, Lynn's been great. We saw he had, he took a step back a few years ago, but since coming to Texas, we know he's a fastball-dominant pitcher, and he's used that to his advantage. Uh, he was an all-star last year. He actually didn't pitch in the all-star game because he was more concerned about pitching on op- pitching the day after the all-star game happened. That's how much he values his team and how much he wants to put himself and his team before you know the accolades and the record. So I think with the White Sox adding this they have a really good one two three with Giolito, Keiko, and Wynn. Um, maybe a four, maybe a four like Ronaldo Lopez is a great piece to add. Uh, maybe they go after an Alex Colomay, try to re sign him, and they'll just have a very good team. I think they're the clear cut favorite. I don't see anybody standing in their way. Yeah, another thing I really like about this too, Lance Lynn used to be with the St. Louis Cardinals, and the St. Louis Cardinals, they're a winning organization. They have they're one of those teams in the league that just have that motto of you bring in winning players. They're always a winning team. Like, even if they're not a great team, they're still going to find a way to make the playoffs. They're still going to find a way to fight. They're still going to find a way to at least stay in the mix. And what Lance Lynn brings to the White Sox, the White Sox, a relatively young team who did get some playoff experience earlier this year in the 60-game season with the expanded wild card, Lance Lynn brings the experience that I think the Chicago White Sox really needed on that team. And something else that I saw that I thought was very interesting, during Lynn's prime in St. Louis, he had Tony La Russa as the manager. Tony La Russa is now managing the White Sox. So I don't know if that's something that the GM of the White Sox saw. I was like, okay, he pitched well when La Russa managed um, with the Cardinals. So maybe we can go out and get him, and he'll be solid for us with La Russa as the manager in Chicago, even more solid than he's already been. And he's been one of the better pitchers in the league, as you said. So I think this is a great signing, not only for the player, but for the clubhouse and for the morale. For sure. I, I love this all around. Uh, I forgot the familiarity with Tony La Russa. I did hear that. Some of the younger guys on the Chicago White Sox didn't really like the hiring of Tony La Russa, so the hope is also bringing Lance Lynn in, a veteran presence, someone who's been with Tony La Russa in the past. He can kind of help uh, to get in the middle of that uh, almost relationship, it feels like, where they're just they're, they're not seeing eye-to-eye right now, and he can help bring that gap together so the team can be a winning organization. 
And something that LaRouche has been great at, or the Chicago White Sox organization has been great at, is revamping pitchers' careers. So we saw this with Dallas Keuchel. You know, he went from a player who was not going to even get a contract back in 2018. The Braves signed him. He didn't pitch great with them. And then Chicago went out. They took a risk on him, and boy, did it pay off. And Lynn, who's been really good the past two years, one of the better pitchers in baseball, is coming to this organization, so they're going to have a veteran presence and a guy who's going to be a workhorse. Uh, Lance Lynn pitched great. He had a whip under one point three over the past two years, a sub 3.7 ERA. He's been great for them. So the advanced metrics like Lynn, I think his teammates like Lynn, and he's going to go out for you every fifth day, and he's going to give you five or six innings, and he's going to give you a chance to win a baseball game. Yeah, Lance Lynn actually, I believe, led the league in innings pitch last year, the year before, the last two years combined. He led the league in innings pitch. So he's that guy that you could just put into the rotation and, and rely on him to eat innings and help rest the bullpen, which is key, especially as the times are changing in MLB. What we're seeing is starters tend to go shorter, and then bullpens come in for four or five innings. Lance Lynn, he can give you six, seven, eight innings, no problem. Then the bullpen has to come in for only one or two innings, and then they get a rest, and then they're set for the other four days. And that's something that has become more and more valuable for starting pitchers. And I remember when, you know, there are big starters on the block, Trevor Bauer, when Garrett Cole was on the block, when Verlander was on the block. Those were pitchers that people saw were like, okay, they can give me seven innings almost every time. My bullpen is going to have a rest for the majority, and we're going to have a better chance at winning a ball game. We saw it with Garrett Cole, and not to toot the Yankees' horn here, but they went out, and, and when Cole went out, he had a streak of when Cole's on the mound, he won 16 17, 18 straight games. And I think Lynn is a pitcher who can do that for an organization that when somebody sees, okay, Lynn's on the mound, it's automatically almost chalked up as a W. Yeah, I feel the same way. At the very least, you know you're going to get a competitive outing from Lance Lynn every five days. You know you're going to be in that game. You know if the offense really only scores even three runs, they should be able to win that game as long as the bullpen doesn't blow it up in the ninth inning. And then other than that, I don't see uh, – I just don't see how White Sox fans would sit here and not like this move at all. And you mentioned that Lynn has, has been great. And he was a player that – He's going to come out every day, and that's something that people struggle with. That's something that pitchers struggle with, especially especially major league players who seem to be more and more soft as the days pass, is, is staying on the field. That's a problem that we see with a lot of players that prevent them from being a great player is health reasons. We see that in every sport, and Lynn's been great. He led the league in games, started in innings pitched uh, this year. He had 208 innings pitched last year. He doesn't give up a lot of hits, and something that I really like is he does doesn't give up the log ball, and that's something, especially with the put, with the hitters who are trying to hit home runs more and more, that's going to result in more strikeouts, and that is going to result in better playing for the team, and that's going to result in low, less runs scored. Yeah, I think a lot of this is we're in the we're in the times of more advanced metrics, advanced stats. So managers and front offices they like to look at, oh, what are our chances of winning if we pull the guy out here instead of here. Or what if he faces the lineup third time around? I'm not really a big fan of it. I think you just got to go with the hot hand. But, yes, that's the value that Lance Lynn brings, is that he's not one of those guys that you go with the advanced stats. He's one of those guys that because he's going to be solid every time, and he's very durable, too. He doesn't get hurt too often. You know 
that he can give you seven innings on a regular basis. And something that I think we need to dive in a little bit more to is they kind of stole him. You know, Dunning's a high prospect. Weems is a prospect, but they're just that. They're prospects. And especially in major in Major League Baseball, it's different in the NBA where the first or second overall pick normally is gonna give is normally gonna be an all-star. It's baseball. Stuff happens, right? We never know what's gonna happen. Pete, Mike Piazza was one of the lowest picks in that draft when he was drafted, and and he turned out to be a Hall of Famer. So those first and second overall picks and high prospects, you, they're not always going to be a top player, a top pitcher. So in t- until they prove themselves at the major league level, I think the team that gets the experienced veteran who's gonna who you know what you're gonna get, I think they win that trade. For sure, I think. I actually think that every team that was out there looking for a pitcher like Lanson had the leverage because I think a lot of people knew that the Texas Rangers were selling at the deadline, at the trade deadline. Of course, they didn't end up trading Lanson then, but we knew he was on the market. The Dodgers were a team that were in on Lanson at the time. Of course, I didn't think they were going to get him this offseason, but everyone knew that the Texas Rangers were looking to trade Lanson. Everyone knew how good of a season Lance Lynn just had. So the other teams had the leverage. The Texas Rangers had no leverage here, and they were desperate to get rid of him too, I feel like. And the Rangers were a team that some people actually expected to be somewhat okay in the 2020 season, especially in the shortened season. They were really, really bad. They had the worst run differential in baseball. And, you know, they're losing Corey Kluber, who granted didn't pitch a lot. They're losing Lance Lynn. They just brought in Nate Lau, but, I mean, who cares? Like, you know, it's it's not a big deal. One player isn't going to carry an organization like a pitcher almost would. This is going to be one of the worst teams that we've seen in baseball over the past few years. They're going to be on the same plane as the Baltimore Orioles, who I think are on the upward trend. And if you're the Texas Rangers, you have to sit and you have to look back and is it time to maybe sell Joey Gallo? Because that's an option. Yeah, you know, the Texas Rangers are one of those teams that to me just proves that you can't just rely on the, the long ball to win games, to come back, become a playoff team. Like, you need veteran guys on the team that are going to hit 300, use the whole field. That's what DJ LeMahieu is to the Yankees. That's, that's the type of player that the Texas Rangers could use over Joey Gallo or Rugnet or Odor. I'm not saying DJ LeMahieu is going to go to the Rangers. I highly doubt that. I don't see that happening. They don't have the money. But that's the type of player the Texas Rangers need if they actually want to start becoming a good team again. Because if they were an okay team last year, they probably would have kept Lance Lynn this year. But because they were so bad last year, they decided, okay, it's time to sell. Now let's trade Lance Lynn. And I'm sure they're looking at teams who would take a Gallo or an Odor right now. I don't know if there is a team because Gallo and Odor, they don't provide much value outside of the home run ball. I mean, we know Gallo's a good defender. He won a gold glove this year, so there's that. But Odor is not very good anymore. You know, we know that he punched Jose Bautista in the face, so maybe he's a better boxer than a baseball player at this point because he's not that good anymore. He's got he's he's in the bottom percent of OPS. He doesn't hit for a high average. He he hits home runs every now and now and again, but from a second baseman, that's not necessarily what a team is looking at. He's not a good defender either, right? So the Rangers, who had the second worst record in baseball, just got progressively worse. We know Corey Kluber is not going to resign. Lance Lynn is gone. Expect them to sell another piece this offseason or during the deadline? Yeah, I do too. Uh, the Texas Rangers are a team that, like you said earlier, a lot of people had hoped would become a competitive team last year. 
but they were not. And now it seems like they're taking a totally different direction in terms, uh, in terms of just selling out, uh, selling off all the pieces that they have. If if people will even take them. Okay, so the Rangers aren't as good as they were in the first place, but James McCann just made the Mets a lot better. Um, he's going to the Mets. Ken Rosenthal reports for four years, around forty million dollars. That's going to be pending a physical. And I think this means a couple things. This means the Mets, A, definitely aren't going after JT Romuto. The catching market is going to be completely affected. And are the Mets better for it, for going after McCann, maybe having a little bit more money to sign Bauer and possibly going after George Springer? What's the situation with New York? Yeah, I think James McCann is a cheaper catcher than a JT Romuto. So I think what the Mets realized is, they would love JT Real Muto, best catcher in the league, but it does also seem like they're serious contenders for Trevor Bauer, the NL Cy Young winner last year. So if they want to be able to afford that, they would have to settle for a James McCann, which isn't really settling much at all because James McCann, I believe, is a really good catcher in my opinion. Uh, he used to not be someone that many people know, knew of, but he was with the team we just talked about, the White Sox. Now he's going to the Mets. But this tells me the Mets are ready to win. They're ready to make a push for the playoffs, make a push for the World Series. Of course, the Mets are always that team, but I actually like this move for them. But the Mets, I believe, are finally making a good move for the team. I think this is actually going to help them. And if they can get a uh, Trevor Bauer, I would say look out for the Mets to be a, a sneaky team in the wild card. I don't know about the division. Maybe the division, though. I think something we need to look out is Ken Rosenthal on December 9th, it is now December 12th, tweeted out that the Mets are getting close with a deal with James McCann. Sources tell the Athletics expected to be four years. That was December 9th. It's four days later. It's December 12th. And now he finally inks a deal. What's wrong with Major League Baseball? We heard over those days that the Angels were getting in touch with McCann. So what does that mean for Real Muto? Because I thought that the Mets were definitely the biggest suitor for Real Muto. I don't think he goes back to Philly. We already know that they cried poor. So what does that mean? Are the Angels going to go after him? Can the Angels really afford to go after him? I mean, the Angels would not be a team that should go after JT Rumuto, though. We even said on the last show, and people, any baseball fan knows this. Any Angel fan knows this, but you don't have to be an Angel fan to know this. The Angels need pitching. They don't need any more hitting. They got Mike Trout. They got Justin Upton. They got Shohei Otani. As long as he stays healthy, he should be okay. They got Anthony Rendon. They're fine on offense. They don't need uh, another catcher that's going to hit for offense. They just need a defensive catcher, which I understand JT Rumuto is also a good defensive catcher, but the thing is he is going to be more expensive. That's not what the Angels need. I don't know where JT Rumuto goes from here. I really don't. I mean, we said last time we thought he would be a great fit for the Mets, but then now the Mets are getting James McCann. We already pretty much figured out by what the Phillies have been saying that JT Rumuto isn't coming back. So, I mean, JT Realmuto might be one of those guys like Dallas Keuchel or Craig Kimbrell from a year, few years ago who are just sitting out there and get signed in the middle of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I really don't know. Like, is he going to take a big discount and go back to Philly? Because obviously teams would love his services. And I think the Angels will be in play for him, even though they really shouldn't be at this point. You know, McCann gets signed for $10 million AAV, and Real Muto doesn't have a home. 
I feel like if he's going to ask for $15 million, I think he's worth 2025. But teams aren't going to give him that now that we've seen what McCann is going to make. And after the pandemic, every team took a hit. So is his price going to go down to, you know, $17, $15 million? And do the Phillies maybe have a chance when they thought that they didn't? Yeah, I mean, based on the Cans deal for $10 million a year over those four years. So that would put the price range for JT Rumuto probably somewhere in between 15 and 18 million is my guess right now. I haven't heard any numbers, but usually you can get a good indication based off of what other guys get at that same position. Maybe Rumuto ends up going to a rebuilding team. He's a veteran presence there and he helps the team. I don't know. I mean, we really both thought he was going to go to the Mets and the Mets got James McCann instead. So, Ramuto's just kind of sitting out there right now. So we talked about um, a team that maybe JT Ramuto could go to. That's a rebuilding team. So let's talk about a team that's in the process of rebuilding, and that's the Royals, who have, in the short period of time that we've had, have gone out and they've signed some players. They went out and signed Mike Miner, Michael A. Taylor, and Carlos Santana. Miner's deal was for two years at $18 million. Taylor, they took a gamble on him a year for 1.75. And Carlos Santana, two years, $17.5 million. So they're a non-contender that's making moves. So other teams, I feel like, can't say, oh, we can't afford or we're not going to go out because of because of what's going on. The Royals don't make a lot of money as it is. So if they're going to go out early, spend money already, I think that that sets the line. And teams can't say, oh, we can't spend money. Yeah, you know, Listen, this pandemic isn't good for anyone, but I'll say in turn, money-wise, this might actually be beneficial to the smaller market teams because what's going to happen, there's so much uncertainty right now of even what's going to happen next year. We don't know if any teams are going to have some fans or no fans. We don't know when fans are even going to be back. So every team is losing some revenue right now. So I think that allows the rebuilding teams such as the Royals or maybe a Tigers or maybe an Orioles to go out and spend more money, take advantage because players know that they're not probably, they're, they're probably not going to get the deals they would have hoped for going into last season before the pandemic hit. So now they're a little cheaper. Now rebuilding teams can afford it. And that will actually, this will actually end up hurting the better teams, I, I believe, more than it will the rebuilding teams. And this poses my next question. Pending this year, are the Indians going to be a fourth or fifth place team? Because we know that Francisco Indoor is not going to stay on that team come the start of the 2021 season. We know they lost the best the best on-base percentage player in baseball in Carlos Santana. Is Shane Bieber going to get chopped? They don't have a bullpen. They let Brad Hand walk. I don't understand why, for the love of God, they did that. That leaves them with Jose Ramirez. That leaves them with Shane Bieber and Carlos Carrasco. And although those three players are great, they're not going to carry you to a World Series. I don't think they're even going to carry you to a top spot in the playoffs. So are the Indians in danger of being a fourth or fifth place team? Yes, they are. Uh, the Cleveland Indians, we, it, like you said, it's already been made clear they're going to end up training Francisco Lindor because they don't have the money. They're just not in that type of market to pay him like that. They did trade Corey Kluber a couple years ago. Granted, Corey Kluber is now hurt. He hasn't really performed since he's been traded. They traded Trevor Bauer, who, like I mentioned earlier, was the Cy Young this past season. So if a team trades a guy like Trevor Bauer 
that becomes a Cy Young. And he's been great in the past, too, although he had a little bit of a downtime when he was traded from the Indians to the Reds. The Cleveland Indians are rebuilding. They're going to be a fourth or fifth place team in a couple years from now. But if they go into the season with the team they have right now, I think they can still be competitive for a wild card spot at the very least. I mean, something that we need to look at is they're making these trades for these bigger players, and they're not getting anything in return. They got Yasiel Puig, Framel Reyes, and Logan Allen in exchange for Trevor Bauer. I think we just yeah. need to sit there. What are you doing? That's the NL Cy Young. And even though he wasn't a Cy Young when you traded him, he was a very good pitcher. He was an all-star. He was in contention for an AL Cy Young then, and they got nothing for him. They got a player who wasn't very, sh- who wasn't sure of who he was in Framel Reyes. They got Logan Allen. Oh, my God, big deal, Logan Allen. And they got Yasiel Puig, who's a, who's a cancer in the locker room. If I'm, the, if I'm an Indians fan... I'm absolutely livid. I don't know what the GM's doing. That's one of the worst trades that we've seen in the co- in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, you know, the Indians, what they need to do, if they're going to make trades to rebuild, they need to go out and get prospects. They don't need to go get major league ready guys right now. They traded a couple of years ago. They traded away who was at one time their number one prospect catcher, Francisco Mejia, to get Brett Hand. And as you mentioned earlier, now they're letting Brad Hand walk. They should have kept a guy like him. They should have kept Mejia. They should have they should have gone out and gotten better pieces for Trevor Bauer. I mean, I don't even know. Yasiel Puig, he hasn't even played in the major leagues in a year now. Framil Reyes, he's good, but he's not going to be one of those future young stars. I just – I don't understand what Cleveland is trying to do here. I mean – we know they're trying to rebuild, don't get me wrong, but I don't understand what they're trying to get in return. Like, are they trying to remain competitive while rebuilding? Because that's really, really difficult to do. And like we said, they're just – they're one of those teams in that market that they can't afford stars. So I don't even know what the sit- contract situation is with Jose Ramirez, but Jose Ramirez was an MVP candidate last year. I don't know what they're going to be able to do with him in a couple of years from now. Like I said – they're going to trade Francisco Lindor. They can't even afford him. So they need to go out and get young prospects for guys like Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and maybe Shane Bieber down the line if they can't afford him either. Or else this whole plan that they're trying to put together is just going to completely backfire on them. And I think the Indians have gone about this all wrong. The owner said, enjoy Francisco Lindor while you have him. As a fan, I just need to sit back and say, are you serious? You don't ever say something like that. You never say that. That's saying, okay, well, we we can't afford Lindor. Bye. Enjoy him while you have him. They let Brad Hand, who's granted one of the better closures in baseball, walk because they didn't want to give him an extra million dollars. I don't get it. They're going about everything wrong, and they expect to be successful. No wonder you have such a large World Series doubt, or World Series World Series drought. You do everything wrong, and you expect good things in return. And I don't understand how fans, how how their fans can put up with it. I don't understand how their players can put up with it. I don't understand how employees can put up with it because the GM keeps doing everything wrong, and the owner can't afford anything apparently. It's 
Is it time to sell the team? Because I know that's taking it to a whole nother level, but you're doing everything wrong and you're not succeeding. Yeah, you don't, you, as a GM or anyone in the front office, you don't come out and say, enjoy them while you have them. Like, listen, it may, Indians fans may already know that he was going to leave, but you just don't come out and say, that's just giving up on the team. That's just giving up on the fans. That's just giving up on the player. Like, you want to at least make it seem like you're making an effort to try and meet somewhere in the middle to sign Lindor or whatnot, but you can't just give up on a guy like that and just tell the fans, well, enjoy him while you have him because he's not going to be here in a couple of years because I can guarantee you, as a Dodger fan, I'm sure you as a Yankee fan, if our GM said that about a star player on our team, we would just, we, we would just be irate. I mean, if Brian Cashman came out and was like, yeah, enjoy Judge while you have him. I wouldn't even know what to say because that's not a, that's not something that uh, that a pristine organization does. And are the Indians kind of like the second tier, third tier type of team? You know, like we know you don't have all the money that that the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Cubs do, but you don't say that. I don't understand what's going through somebody's mind when they think of that. You don't say something like that. And now you're in a position where you're going to just sell everybody. You're selling everybody. This was a team that in 2016 was one game away from a ring and they choked one game from a ring and they choked it. And ever, and since then it's just been downhill. Everybody's leaving. They're selling everybody. Oh, we can't afford you. I don't, know what to believe anymore and the few indians fans that there are have to be extremely beside themselves yeah i mean also what that does by coming out and saying enjoying while you have him you just lost all your leverage in a trade now you have no more leverage because you just made it loud and clear to the rest of the league all the other 29 teams and all the fans as well that you don't want him you're not going to keep him we're going to do everything we can to trade him so teams are going to be like, all right, you want to trade him? Well, we're not going to give you much if you want to trade him because you're so desperate to get rid of him. We know you can't afford him. So there goes all your leverage. There goes any hope for the fans. Uh, there goes any hope for trying to build a relationship between a star player and the GM on that team as long as they at least have that GM or as long as they still have the same owner that they have. There goes all those relationships just, just right down the toilet. And let me tell you something else. A free agent sees that, and they're like, I don't want to be put in that position. Because remember, these are human beings. Francisco Lindor, you know, does he have a kid? I, I honestly don't know. But, uh, you know, a player who is a star player, let's say they do have a kid, that kid's going to school there. That kid has friends there. And, and they, don't want to, they don't want to think, oh, I might get traded. We may have to pack our bags and move across the country. That's something that somebody shouldn't have to deal with. That's something, and I understand that comes with the job. That's why you get paid multi-million dollars. But that's something that somebody shouldn't have to deal with because these are also human beings too. So, do you, do you lose relationships with players or possible players that could come to your organization? Absolutely. Do you lose uh, trade opportunities or, or some sort of a value from other teams? Absolutely. They're going about it. They're going about everything wrong, and they need to just they need to have some sort of an intervention and say we can't do this anymore. We need to do. We need to think of everything twice before we say something. That's something that my mom told me from a very young age. Think before you speak, and that's something that the Indians owners, front office, GM. That's something that they need to take into consideration right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm gonna draw back to the deal that Bryce Harper got with the Philadelphia Phillies, 
what he said, one of the main reasons why he didn't want to sign with a team like the Dodgers, who were offering him a short-term deal over the Phillies, even though the Dodgers were the far better team, is because he wanted the long-term security, not for him, but for his family. And I think a lot of people forget, we can too, is that as sports fans, we watch these people go out on the field or in an arena and perform every night. But at the end of the day, they're still humans. They still have a family. They have feelings just like us. They have the same exact worries that we have. They just have a job that we can see them do, perform on TV. Yeah, I. it baffles me as, as to why the Indians have done everything wrong. They, they keep doing stuff wrong, and I don't understand how and why they put themselves in that position. Quick side note, David Dahl's of the Rangers for a year, $3 million. The Rangers are a bad team. David Dahl's an okay player. Is this really going to make that much of an impact? No. No. It's it, not. It won't. So, uh, congrats. You rolled a dice on Dahl. It's a low-risk, high-reward type of situation. Moving on, you're not really – you're not that important, David Dahl. Love you. You may be a really nice guy. Sit down, follow us um, on our Instagrams and social medias. But, you know, it's what it is. Uh, next topic, free agency is a shit show. <laughs> it really is. And I'm, I'm if you guys want to hear somebody rant, listen up. Because it, it's just not good. And as, as a baseball fan, I sit here – once that, once the World Series is over, once that team celebrates, you know, bottles are popped, free agency starts. It's too long at this point. We see basketball and Adam Silver and and everything that the NBA does, and they do it perfectly, right? The, uh, the COVID started. Adam Silver goes, okay, we're going into a bubble automatically. No positive tests. If you break, if you break boundaries or the rules, you're gone. We saw that with David House. We saw that with Lou Williams. You know, it, and Adam Silver does everything right. And Rob Manfred and the MLB need to look at that, right? They promote their, they promote the league, they promote the sport, they do everything right. And an MLB doesn't. Why is free agency so damn slow? I genuinely don't get it, and it pisses me off to no avail. Why, when, when Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were free agents, why did it take until February for them to sign a contract? Why were they reporting to a camp a week after they signed the contract? I don't understand it. It makes me so upset. And you could hear it in my voice. You can hear that. And, and Nick knows. You know this. I was, ta- I was talking to you off air. I'm pissed. It makes me upset as a fan. I want to see my players sign a contract. I want to make you to sign a contract i want cashman to say and i want him to understand we need this guy this is a player that we need on our team in order to succeed so if you don't sign this damn contract if you don't sign the player it's ridiculous and i am pissed off and i'm sorry if i'm going on a mini rant but it, it takes too long why is free agency so long why do players have to wait why do owners have to wait why do fans have to wait and why do gms have to wait we need to have some sort of an agreement, and, and, and we know that basketball players do this. Anthony Davis signs, signs an extension quickly. LeBron signs an extension quickly. We know that they're having talks before, before they actually hit free agency. They're having talks in the middle of the season. You know, the, 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 players, the player's agent in the GM, hey, you know, we want to re-sign here. Once the second that they're a free agent, we're just going to pull the trigger and we're going to sign instantly. So we know that they're talking before, before, they're, before they're supposed to be. Why can't baseball players do this? It, it makes me so upset, and I don't understand why it takes so long. And, you know, 
what are they getting out of this? Because the players are hurting themselves. I think the players are hurting themselves and the owners are hurting themselves. I don't think either side has seen eye to eye. And we saw this before play resumed this year or before the season started. We saw that the Players Association and the owners were not seeing eye to eye. They had many issues on how they were going to pay players and what the number of games should be and all that. Like, there's just something that's missing in MLB that's there for NBA, whether it's communication or definitely a a good or bad uh, commissioner because Rob Manfred, he's a terrible commissioner. Adam Silver in the NBA, he's a great commissioner. He's one of the best, if not the best, that we've seen at least in our lifetime. So there's just something missing between the players and the owners in MLB that I just don't get that's really hurting both sides. And not only is it hurting both sides, it's hurting the, the league. It's hurting the fans. Fans are losing interest in baseball because of all this going on. Like, you mentioned DJ LeMay. DJ LeMay, who should already have a contract extension with the Yankees. Like, it, it, we're sitting here two weeks before Christmas, the week before people are getting off of school for Christmas break, and DJ LeMay, who still doesn't have a contract. I just, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand it. And this is a team like, and that's a really good point. You were talking about how the Players Association and the Owners Association hadn't reached an agreement. It's killing baseball, people. Listen up. Turn your headphones up. It's killing baseball. I don't have people that I can go out and play catch with. A, maybe I don't have that many friends, but that's another topic. You guys should be friends with me. But it's killing baseball. The people at my school, you know, there aren't as many people who like baseball. And I wonder why. Oh, it's because the commissioner's shit. It's because the way that stuff's advertised is shit. And it's so bad and it makes me so upset. As somebody who loves the game, who thinks it's the greatest game in the world, I, it's hard. It's hard to defend it because they do it wrong. They're doing things wrong. It's like the Indians. They're doing every single thing wrong. They're doing everything to hurt themselves. And it's almost impossible to recover from. And they wonder why ratings are down. Yeah, I, I don't think ratings are down because of the time of game. I think they've done everything they can to save time in the games with the pitch clock and the 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 pitcher limits and the uh, mound visits and all that. I think MLB has done everything they can they can from that, and I think that's something you actually got to give MLB credit for. For as much as we're trashing MLB right now, they've done what they can to limit the time a game takes, so fans don't lose interest near the end. But other than that, I just don't understand where MLB is going. Like for me personally, as big as a baseball fan as I am, I didn't have too much interest in the regular season. I mean, I started watching in the playoffs, but the regular season was just like, oh, it's 60 games. They took forever. It's the middle of the summer. Basketball is starting back up. Golf is now back on. Like, everything was back on by the time MLB came, and MLB hadn't even started their season yet. Like, they had so much more time. Something I just want to talk about is marketing. Marketing the players. You see LeBron James walk down the street People will stop him, right? Maybe because he's 6'8 and jacked out of his mind. Uh, that may be part of it. 
But if LeBron James walks down the street, people are going to know who he is. Not even a basketball fan will know who he is. I can call somebody on my phone who has never watched an NBA game, tell them name a basketball player, and I guarantee you eight out of ten times they'll say LeBron James or Steph Curry or Michael Jordan, right? Because those players are marketed so well. LeBron has 74.8 million followers on Instagram, right? That's, That's arguably the best player in the league right now. One of the greatest players that we have ever seen, Mike Trout, has 1.8 million followers. And is, is this a popularity contest? No, it's how you do your job. But there's also a side of it that's marketing, right? Why does LeBron James have 73 million followers more than Mike Trout? I know, I know it's, it's baseball. It's how do they perform on the field. I know it's basketball. How do they perform on the court? That's what matters. But it's also marketability, right? You know, if Mike Trout walks down, walks down the street to go get a Jersey Mike sub, right? The average person doesn't know who he is. My dad, my dad's not a huge baseball fan, right? He likes it. He watches the pod. He listens to the podcast. Shouts out to you, dad. But he, I, I highly doubt he'll know who Mike Trout is if he walks down the street. Maybe he does, and if he does, that's props to him. But the average person doesn't know doesn't know who the greatest baseball player in the league is, but the average person knows who the greatest basketball player in the league is. And that's something that maybe that's on the player, maybe that's on the league, but that's something that needs to be addressed and something that, that's cause for concern, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I think one of the ways that NBA has done a much better job marketing than MLB is that in the preseason, NBA does some preseason games overseas. We don't see that with MLB. We have some teams maybe come over here, but it's mostly like a college team that's local to where the team is playing their spring training or something like that. But you don't see MLB teams going to the other side of the world, playing games, trying to advertise, get their names out there. Like we don't see MLB doing that. And the way they do it is by trying to spread the game more worldwide. I understand in like Japan and stuff like that, the game is a big thing, but not not MLB because MLB doesn't go out there. MLB doesn't do that stuff. Like maybe a guy like Ichiro Suzuki, people are going to watch him when he comes over to America, but it's still Ichiro isn't baseball. That's Ichiro isn't all of MLB. He's LeBron James. LeBron James is more so all of NBA than Ichiro will ever be all of MLB. No, no offense to Ichiro whatsoever. Kobe Bryant, he did an amazing job marketing himself overseas. Rip to Kobe, by the way. I, I just think that's something interesting. Like, we see them go to Japan maybe once, maybe once every year. We saw them play in London last year. They're going to play in, in the Field of Dreams in Iowa this year. Hopefully. Emphasis on the hopefully. But they don't market themselves well, right? Like... Uh, kids in other countries, uh, with the exception of the states and Japan, and in 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 the countries where baseball is kind of a big deal, you know, it's not that big a deal, right? Kids aren't saying, "Oh my God, I need to tune into MLB Network to see it." You know, how did Mike Trout do, right? From my understanding, obviously, I wasn't alive when the home run race was going on between Sosa and McGuire. Kids who weren't even baseball fans were opening Sports Center to see who was leading in that race, right? And I think that's something that major league, that major league baseball needs. We need something to to market, 
right? We need something to grab onto. When when a player performs so well, that's something that Major League Baseball should take advantage of. When Aaron Judge and Pete Alonso, when Pete Alonso hit 53 home runs in 2018 and broke Judge's record, by the way, the balls were juiced, so it doesn't count. Anyway, when that happened, MLB should have marketed that. They should have said, look, we have a guy who, who, who may break a record. Were the balls juiced again? Yes, they were, so it doesn't really count. But, you know, they should have grabbed onto that. They should have marketed it, right? And when, uh, when the balls were juiced uh, in 2019, they should have said, look, home runs are being hit at an alarming rate. Let's advertise that more. Let's put that on the side of a bus for all I care. You know, uh, let's send out spam emails to people. And that's the thing that Major League Baseball doesn't do. And therefore, there aren't as many fans. Ratings are down. And, and, and the game of baseball is not as is not as shiny like a diamond as the game of basketball is. Yeah, it's just not. I mean, I can tell you, and I know you maybe know this too. I I don't see like too many billboards of like sports and all that, but like I've probably seen more billboards of NBA than I have of MLB just around the city, around the area, around the county, all that. But for the Dodgers, for instance, you only really see Dodger billboards within a couple blocks of the stadium. You don't see them all around the city, all around the county, all around even the state even not that they would be all around the state because they wouldn't have them in like where the San Francisco Giants play for instance but you just don't see them around LA as much as you do the Lakers you don't you don't even see people wearing as much uh uh Dodger jerseys as you do Laker jerseys maybe a lot of people wear Dodger hats I don't even know if they know it's Dodger hats because it just says LA so um yeah but um you see more people wearing like Kobe Bryant or LeBron James jerseys than you do a monkey bets like you could pull monkey bets off the Dodgers right now and ask a uh, Brandon person, who is this player? They're not going to know. But if you pull LeBron out, if you pull Michael Jordan out, they're going to know exactly who they are. That that's There's just something missing with baseball that is really hurting the game, really hurting the viewership. That's where MLB needs to focus more than trying to shorten the games because I think they've done everything they can there. And a clip that was going around on Twitter, Manny Ramirez, Boston Red Sox legend. He now plays in Australia. He's a bit older. I think he's in his 50s. Uh, and I guess he just loves the game so much he's still playing. He was, he was in a restaurant, and there was a guy wearing a Red Sox hat. He tapped him on the shoulder and was like, was like hey, how are you doing? The guy had no idea who he was. The guy was alive when Manny Ramirez was in his prime, just pimping balls 1,200 feet. That's what's wrong, man. That's what's wrong. I, I, I can't get over it. I can't get over it. It's ridiculous. People need to, they need to market themselves better. Baseball needs to market the, the game better. And that's, that's really all I can say. That, that's all I can say. Yeah, like I said, there are a lot of people who I see wear LA hats, but I don't even think they, they know it's like the Dodgers. I think they just think it's, it says LA and they're like, oh, I live in LA. Let me get this hat. But they don't, they don't. No, that it's the Dodgers. They don't. No one could really pick like a Corey Seager out of a crowd. I don't even know how many people could pick like a Clayton Kershaw out of the crowd. To be honest with you, I just really don't. I mean, as good as Kershaw has been in LA throughout his career, he has the World Series now, a couple Cy Youngs, All Star games, whatnot. MVP. I just, I, I, MVP. I just don't know how many 
random people could just pick him out of the crowd and say, oh, hey, that's Clayton Kershaw. Let me stop him. Let me say hi. Let me see if I can get a picture with him. Let me see if I can get his autographs. I'm like, I just don't know that people would do that with him. Yeah, it's the sad truth. It's the sad reality. But that's going to do it for our second episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of The Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. I'm Nicholas Bear. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at M-I-C-A-H underscore 0416 and on Instagram at E-N-V-Y-M-I-C-A-H. And you can follow me on Twitter at NicholasBear7. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-B-A-E-R and the number seven. And on Instagram at NicholasGolfer at N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-G-O-L-F-E-R. Again, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Peace out. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Baseball Plug. If you liked it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on our social medias that we mentioned earlier. Again, thank you for watching. Have a great rest of your day.